0: Hey folks, we're glad you're joining us this weekend. We're glad that you're going to be taking part in an online service. If you're part of our church family, hey, welcome to you. And if you're watching us for the first time, we're glad you're doing that. And please feel free to check in with us. Uh, send in a message if you want to talk to us after the service or during the week. Glad to do that. This Today's message is going to be continuing in the series. But at the end of the message today, we're going to be sharing in communion. So if you want to... Think about that and get yourself ready. You get a break somewhere in here to get some things organized. We're going to share communion at the end, and we'd love to have you do that. Also, if there's someone that you would like to see watch the service with us, give them a buzz uh, as we start in today, and uh, boy, it'd be great. They can join us online. All right. So this series has been called Having the Heart of Jesus, and uh, you've had a couple of topics already laid out. Uh, I started it, Jim took a turn, Pastor Jim, then Pastor Llewellyn last weekend, talking about obedience, and uh, it's my turn to come back and do it again this week, and I want to talk to you, I'm not sure what actually to call this, but it's, it's about having the heart of Jesus and being more like Him so we can lead people to Him, but this one's actually, it's about His heart. But it's kind of focused on something that we see that he practiced throughout his ministry and life on earth, um, and I think it shows up like 28, 29 times in the in the Gospels, that he would leave a gathering, leave people, leave whatever he was doing, and go off by himself and pray. So I'd, I just kind of call it the lonely places. Having the heart of Jesus, we've got to be able to follow that practice of solitude and prayer that he seemed to do often. So... I'm going to take my thoughts out of uh, the book of uh, Luke. There can be three or four different passages we look at, but the first one's in Luke chapter five, verses 15 and 16. So, if you got your Bible there, your Bible app, uh, you can follow this. Let's read it together. Now, this. This story that we're going to read, these couple lines we're going to read, actually follows a healing miracle where somebody was healed very dramatically, and Jesus had said to the person, listen, don't make a big deal about this. Don't go spreading it around. Just kind of keep it to yourself. And that's kind of the way he said it to the guy. But, of course, I'm not sure the guy kept that. uh, I I don't think he obeyed that. So anyway, this is what it says. Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Now, that's quite something. So the people are hearing about him. He's the, he's the health line that they've got to go to, and they're, they're just coming from everywhere as the word spreads, and they're coming to see him. So it says that they've come to hear him and to be healed, and then it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Intriguing. So here's people coming towards him to hear him and to be healed by him, and he did lots of that. But there seems to be this rhythm in his life where he would leave it and go off by himself to some secluded place to pray, to the desert, up a mountain. You'll hear that term used lots. He'd go to the mountains, and he'd just be by himself and pray. I read this little article online. It was called uh, Soul Shepherding by Bill Gauthier. And he, and he writes this, Continually Jesus withdrew from people, uh, from daily life activities and the demands of his ministry to be alone with his Father and pray. Jesus' solitude and silence is a major theme of the Gospels. His ongoing intimate relationship with Abba Father, his Father, was the source of his compassion, his wisdom, and his power. And we see those things displayed on every page of the Gospels. So what's the takeaway here for us? If we're going to be like Jesus, Jesus would leave his busy life repeatedly to go and be by himself, uh, to spend time with his Father in prayer, and that actually became the source of his energy, his, his anointing, his wisdom, his strength. Uh, that's what he drew life from was his time in prayer. Now, yeah, it's kind of interesting because uh, in Jesus we have this mixture of God and humanity. And so somehow in there, there's actual need that Jesus needs to do this for himself. And also we always know that he is setting us an example. He said, here's a practice. Here's something that should be in your life. So if we're saying to ourselves, We want to be more like Jesus, then this needs to be part of our life. Now, if you know me, you know, I often talk about the Lord's Prayer. I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. I prayed it this morning when I drove over uh, on the commute, and uh, I always pray to the Lord's Prayer. It never gets old. It's always got something fresh for me. And, you know, there's, you know, Our Father in Heaven, how, how his Holy Name of the Father in Heaven, and then it talks about your kingdom coming, and let your will be done, let your kingdom come. It's such grand things, like the kingdom of God coming, the will of God being accomplished on earth. And then the next line is, and give us this day our daily bread. It's like profound to like something kind of ordinary, it sounds like. I don't think it's just praying for bread on our table. I think it's a call out to God for the bread that we need for our spirit and our soul, to feed the inner man. There's, there's a spiritual nutrition that we need. And I just want to say again, if you don't have that practice in your life of taking time on a daily basis to slip away and be with the Lord, and then maybe when you can, on a bigger level, like take more time off on a day off or an evening off, and, and find some privacy and just have conversation with God, I think we need that to feed our soul. Now here's, here's one of those stories. This is continuing on in the book of Luke. Luke. This is chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. It says, one of, the, one of those days, Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray. There it is again. And spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose twelve of them whom he also designated as apostles. So he's picking people and putting them in a a very important position and leading the church. There was Simon, who he called Peter, his brother Andrew and James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, uh, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot. And, you know, that guy's story doesn't end very well. But he called these people out, and he put them into a position. But before he did that, it says he spent the night in prayer and, uh, you know, prayed through the night. And then he he made these big decisions and, and took this... Important action. I just want to ask us a simple question. Do you have a big decision that you need to make in your life? Is there some major thing happening in your life that you've got to make some big choices about? Is there something happening in your family, at work, uh, maybe in your health? There's things that you've got to really decide upon and you got you got to come to a conclusion about something. Can I really recommend, if you're going to be like Jesus and have the heart of Jesus... Go and spend some time in prayer. And pray enough time to get the answers that you need. Get, get God's mind, get God's perspective on your decision. Uh, Jesus himself, this mixture of God and man, he prayed to his Father before he made a major decision in his life. Maybe that's good advice for us. Another story, and this is it's in the same kind of passage, it's in chapter 9. So it's not like right after but it's kind of continuing on in this journey. And it says this, chapter 9 verse 28 to 32. About day 8 days after this, Jesus said, after Jesus said this, he took Peter and John and James with him and went up into a mountain to pray. Sounds familiar. And he was praying, and as he was praying, Jesus the appearance of his face was changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. If you've seen a flash of lightning, this is like, wham. As he was praying, he was changed. This is the, the Bible heading for this story that we're reading is the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where Jesus, who looked like an ordinary Jewish man, suddenly, for a moment of time, looked like something much more. He became this glorious deity, this great God, this great Lord of all. He took on that form again for just a moment. That shone through and was visible. Two men, Moses and Elijah, the story reads, also appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. We know what's, what you know. What this is about? This is about his arrest, his trial, his abuse, his crucifixion, his death, resurrection, and his departure from the Mount of Olives. All of that dramatic span of time, he's in council with these two messengers from heaven. In a sense, pretty dramatic stuff. Now, Peter and his companion, companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And I'm not going to read the rest of it, but Peter said, hey, let's just stay here. Let's build some houses. Let's set up a permanent camp right here. Let's stay in this beautiful place with this glorious Jesus and these supernatural visitors from heaven. Let's just stay here. And Jesus said to them, no, uh, the mission is actually down there. We're going to leave the mountain and go back and engage people. And I guess that's kind of like us, even as Pentecostal charismatic people, sometimes we have a a great encounter with God, and we'd we'd like to stay there. Like, it's beautiful, it feels great, we're encouraged and inspired, and we want to just stay in that place. But God says, no, you actually have a job to do. You need to leave this and, and go back and engage the people who need to know about me. But I want to back up in the story as he was praying, he was changed. I just want to say this to us. If we're going to be like Jesus, and we're not going to become a Jesus, we're going to be like him, uh, we need to pray until we're changed. We need to stay in an attitude of prayer until God begins to change the deep things of our heart and really put in the, His glory into our lives and, and transform us in what, into what God wants us to be. Um, I'll say it this way too. Like these men saw something. You and I need to pray until we see something. What am I saying? Well, we need to get an understanding whether it's in our mind, whether it's a, we hear a voice in our heart or we actually see a vision or read something in Scripture that makes it come alive to us. Somehow, we need to get a really good perspective of who Jesus actually is. To become like him, we have to see him. As we see him, we do become like him. Uh, We need to see this glorious one that they saw. Jesus wasn't just a Jewish man. He was the creator. He was the king of glory. Uh, He was the son of God. He was all of those things. And so we need to see who he actually is. And by praying... Uh, we can be changed by what we see and experience as we spend time with the Lord. Now we have one final story we want to read also about something that Jesus prayed about. And as I mentioned, we're going to be sharing communion in just a few minutes. Um, You know the story. They've had their last supper together. They've shared a meal. Jesus institutes the communion that we're going to practice here in just a minute or two. He actually put it in place that night and then they left wherever they had that supper. They went out of there and they went up onto the Mount of Olives and they went into a kind of a garden area which we know was called the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to just pick up the story right there. And uh, here's here's how it's written. This is Luke chapter 22 if you want to follow it. Luke 22 verses 39 to 45. Jesus went out as usual there's, a, there's something to note. This was his practice to go away and pray. He went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, "Pray that you don't fall into tem- pray that you will not fall into temptation." Then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, by himself, knelt down and prayed. Here we ag- Here again, he's praying. Uh, like I said, there's 28, 29 times where we see something, something similar to this. And here's his prayer, and this is incredible. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you know what he's saying here? He is saying, Father, I know I've come to earth to be the redeemer of mankind. I know I've come to be the sacrifice for sin. But as he's in the human side of him, he's starting to see the horror of what this is going to be. He's already starting to feel all the toxic, nightmarish weight of humankind settling on him as he takes on the sin of all the world. What a horrible thing is landing on him. And he said, Father, if there's another way, if there's some other way we can do this. But he said, and he, he just goes a little deeper. He says, Yeah, but it's not my will. I'll do what you want me to do. Let your will be done. And it says in the story that an angel came and actually ministered to him because what he was doing even before the cross was of such weight, of such gravity, of such horror that it was just crushing him and and, and sort of knocking the life out of him. And so he strengthened. And it says this, and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. The agony of his prayer involves the redemption of all of humanity. As he is suffering in prayer, the salvation of humankind is being completed, it's being put into place, it's being made available through the sacrifice of Christ even in this moment of his obedience. Now as I said, Again, we like to go to prayer times and be at altar services and be in places where we can experience the presence of God that's beautiful, that should be happening, that's critically important for us. I've I've already said that. That's how we get changed and transformed. But there's also, if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to have the heart of Jesus, we're going to have to agonize in prayer. We're going to have to suffer in prayer. Oh, what do you mean, pastor? We're going to have to get down and agonize for people. We're going to have to be in travail for the souls of people that are lost, a, a family member, a friend that we have, someone that we just met that we, we feel like we're thinking about all the time. Maybe it's uh, the missionary that in the far field is working with people, but we're going to, we need to be investing enough energy into prayer that it's actually costing us something. That it doesn't feel good, it may actually hurt as we carry a burden in prayer. can actually, when you're done, you could feel exhausted. There was a, I think it was David Brainerd was a real prayer warrior. People like that, they spent hours in prayer. Some of these great revivalists of years gone by, they invested evenings and weeks sometimes of giving themselves to seasons of prayer for what? For people, agonizing for people. And I want to call us as a church family and say, you know what? We need to be thinking through. Lord, are we prepared? We want to be like you, but are we prepared to do what you did and become an an intercessor for people that we actually suffer in the place of prayer? We're just we will strive, we'll wrestle uh, for people's lives and for their souls and do so. Now, we're going to share communion. Um, this this. Uh, Garden of Eden experience, a Garden of Gethsemane. Pardon me. Experience. Um, it's kind of the follow-on from when He put the Lord's Supper into place, which we're going to celebrate today. But this, this simple thing that we're doing, this is all about the sacrifice that He's making at this time, which we are now living in, in the benefit of today. He sacrificed Himself for our sins. He took our sin onto Himself. And paid for it now I'm using the little simple things that we now have for our in-house on uh, in-person communion and uh, we've gone to this little unique package and so we have to open it in a certain way and uh, first of all we want to take the bread when Jesus set up the Lord's table he started with a simple piece of bread and he showed it to the guys and this was part of their supper to have this kind of bread that they had but he He's going to give it a different meaning. And he holds the bread in his hands and he said, I want you to understand, he said, I want you to remember me when you do this, but this bread represents my body that is broken for you. And so let's just pray together and just remember him and think about his body that was broken for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you loved us enough to make a sacrifice for us. You allowed your body to be broken that we could be made whole in every way, physically, emotionally, mentally, and most of all, spiritually. We can be made whole because you were broken for us. Let's take the bread together. Later that night when they had their supper together after they'd taken the bread, he took a cup and he held it up to them. And again, this, this cup of, of wine that they would share together, uh, that was common for them. It was part of their practice. But he said, I want you to realize that this, this cup represents something more. And this, this cup is representing my shed blood. And this shed blood actually, in a sense, buys for you a new relationship with God. It makes a new doorway. It's a a covenant that can be made with you and Almighty God because I have shed my blood to pay for your sins and cleanse you and make you clean and whole on the inside. And so as we have this cup, he said, when you take it, when you drink it, remember me. This is done for you. So, Lord, we say thank you. Thanks, Lord, for... Pouring out your life for us. And in, when you let your blood be shed, you were, you were giving up your life for us. And that blood that you, that you gave on the cross where you were so wounded and there was, you were bleeding so badly, that was your way of paying for the sins of mankind and washing them forever from our lives if we would just ask you to come into our lives and to forgive us. So, Lord, thank you for this cup. We ask you to bless us as we share together. Let's take the the cup together. Thanks for being with us today, and may I just close in prayer with you. Lord, for those who are watching today, if they need to engage in their life deeper into a life of prayer, I pray you would speak to them. And if there's somebody watching, and this is all new, but Lord, maybe they understand today just a little bit more that you have paid for all human sin. I pray that they would find life and hope in you. Amen. If you need to talk to us, go online, get the number, send us an email, we'll be glad to visit with you. God bless you.